Hey y'all, Monica here. And this is Heather. And And we're we're Black Black Healers Healers Connect. If you're not in the know about BHC, we bring killers of the diaspora together while sharing our stories of resilience and connecting through digital and in-person activations. And we also have a podcast. Whoop, whoop. So super excited to launch our first episode with Shelly Adrian, who lives in Los Angeles. She's an Afro-Latinx herbalist, healer, and scholar with a background in ethnic studies. Her work is centering healing the intergenerational trauma of slavery by reconnecting and rebuilding our sacred connection to land and Black folk medicine. And so without further ado, let's take it to Shelly. Why healing? Like, when did your healing journey begin? Yeah, so for me, my healing journey began, I think if I can put a timeline to it, I would say it started about 10 years ago when I was an undergrad in college. And I was feeling really dissatisfied with my college experience and with kind of academia in general. And I wasn't feeling nourished or fed by anything that I was learning. And the curriculum just wasn't resonating with me. And I was really looking for a class or a professor or something that would give me a sense of purpose or a sense of wholeness. Mm. And I think that's when I took my first Africana studies class. And then slowly but surely, my passion for school started to come back. And uh, I really enjoyed what I was learning. And that was really refreshing to be able to see myself reflected in academia because I had never had that experience before. I'd never, it wasn't until college, now that I think about it, it wasn't until college that I had a black woman as a teacher. And that's a crazy, that's a crazy thing to think about, like to be, to make it your whole entire life and not have a black woman as a professor until you're in college. Uh, But as far as my healing journey goes, There was one of my summers when I was in college, I experienced a really traumatic sexual assault and it like rattled me to my soul. And I just felt this very deep sense of emptiness and like not knowing my body anymore, not feeling comfortable in my body anymore, not feeling safe in my body anymore. And just really feeling really disgusted. Like I didn't feel like good in my own skin. And so I was having this weird kind of paradox of an experience where I was feeling really nourished and fed by what I was learning in school and feeling like I was developing a sense of identity. But simultaneously, I felt like because of what had happened to me, my identity had been lost somehow. So Mm. I was like navigating this really weird space. And so we got the opportunity when I was, uh, I can't remember what year of college it was, but we got the opportunity to do what they call like an alternative spring break slash study abroad. Uh, in West Africa, in Ghana specifically. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I don't know why, but I feel like whatever healing I need, I'm going to find it on that land. Like something Mm. about, I was like, I feel like I'm being called to this. I was just adamant. I was just like, I don't know what it is, but I feel like I'm going to find it in Ghana. Uh, And I, yeah, I just felt like it was going to be tied to the land somehow. So I think the, the most profound experience we had is that we went to go visit this site that they call like the ancestral river in Ghana. It's nicknamed like the last bath because it's this river that enslaved Africans, the captured Africans had to cross on their way to be loaded onto slave ships. So it's called the last bath because it was literally like the last bath that they took before they were taken on these ships to go onto the middle passage. And I remember putting my hands in that water 
And I remember like feeling energy, like radiating from the land. Like, and I was like, wait, this is weird. Like I actually, like I feel something like it was almost like the land had like memory or like the land was holding information, you know? And I'd never had that experience Mm -hmm. before. And it just sent me down this rabbit hole and like all these questions that I had about like, well, what is my relationship to land? Like, what does displacement from land do to the body? How does it affect your physical health? Does separation from land impact your spiritual wellness? So I just started on this journey and trying to find the answers to these questions. And uh, it's just really just restorative for me. And it like led me on this journey to like restore my relationship with my own body, but also restore my relationship with my health and restore my relationship with my ancestors. And then I started thinking about all these parallels between like sexual and physical violence enacted on black women's bodies in my body, and then sexual and physical violence enacted on Africa as a whole, and then our Africa as a piece of land, and then sexual and physical violence enacted on the earth as a whole, and how there was all these parallels between women's bodies and black bodies and land and violence and gender violence and all these things. And it just took me down this like crazy like rabbit hole of stuff. Uh, And I just started to, yeah, to just sort of rethink my relationship with the earth and like see the earth as one of my ancestors now. And yeah, it just led me on this really beautiful path. Like I started to write my whole thesis, like when I got into grad school in SF State in their ethnic studies program, I was like, I'm going to write my thesis about this because I need to talk to Black women and ask them questions about their relationship with the earth and ask them questions about you know, intergenerational trauma, ask them questions about their ancestors, ask them questions about, you know, how they perceive the land and their relationship to it. And yeah, it's just all been, I'm still trying to do that work. So it's been really, yeah, it's kind of like, it's a weird blessing in disguise, but it's been really, really healing for me. And for folks who may not know like what how would you define intergenerational trauma Mm. who that's a big one uh how would i define intergenerational trauma or explain it to somebody who maybe they just never heard of you know they never really understood so i think about like people in my family you know uh who didn't go to the colleges I went to, you know, that kind of thing. And like, how do I talk about that issue with them? I intergenerational trauma is interesting because it's really difficult to have conversations in our family because so many people in our family, particularly the elders were never given space to really process their emotions and process their trauma in a safe and healthy space. So when I think about things, I'll, just, I'll start from, I'll use slavery as kind of like the, our reference point and go from there. But if we were to look at something like slavery and the hundreds and hundreds of years of trauma and violence enacted on our bodies and acted on, it's like all the different ways in which we were experiencing violence and never given a proper way to process that information, to process those experiences then we internalize those things and never give them, and they never really truly get the opportunity to heal. And we're kind of perpetually put in this space of just trying to survive. And we see that pattern playing out in so many different ways uh, in our present relationships. And you can see it, I'm sure if you see it with the elders in your family or you see it with like your relationship dynamics, there's so many different 
patterns that play out over and over and over again because nobody has really had the opportunity to sit with it and wrangle with it and make peace with it. So that's how I would, I, this, that would be like my sort of simple explanation of intergenerational trauma. It's like trauma that hasn't really had anywhere to go. And it's trauma that's been embedded in us because we haven't really had a safe space to integrate that trauma. So it just gets passed on. And you know, I'm hoping that we can continue to do that work and move toward a culture of healing and you know, move towards generational healing. That's it's definitely part of the work I want to do. And what does generational healing, what does that even look like? Like that's a really good yeah, question. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. Um, I think that for a lot of us, it, some of us might have really tumultuous relationships with our family members, and you like might feel like you can't even speak to them. Or yep, that's me right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that's real. Like it's a very real thing. It's like you want to have generational healing. It's like, dang, I would love to heal my relationship with my mom. I would love to heal my relationship with my uncle. I would love to heal my relationship with whoever. But talking to them is like talking to a brick wall, or talking to them is like it's not even possible to have those conversations. Uh, so it's interesting. One of the things about intergenerational healing that I find so interesting is that sometimes the best thing you can do for intergenerational healing is just to have boundaries with your family members. Like, Mm -hmm. because they weren't allowed to have boundaries with their family members. And that a lot of trauma that we experience just comes from not being allowed to have boundaries with our family and being expected Mm -hmm. to put up with things because they're your family. And there's no healing there, right? Like where does one exercise agency over your own life if you're just expected to put up with things? I think one of the most impactful things that I've learned in sitting in Africana studies spaces or in sitting in like African centered healing spaces or, you know, indigenous centered healing spaces is that ancestor work can be really impactful for doing intergenerational trauma work and for doing intergenerational healing. And one of the things that I've learned in those spaces is that when you heal yourself, you have the capability of healing seven generations forward and seven generations back because Mm. time doesn't function the way we understand it like in the third dimension like the spiritual realm is so vast right and just because your ancestors or your relatives might not be here in the physical realm that doesn't mean that you can't have a relationship with them that doesn't mean that they don't exist and that doesn't mean that they can't benefit from your healing work so you absolutely have the ability to intercede and heal on your ancestors behalf and you absolutely have the ability to work with them whether it's through altar work or through other spiritual practices to facilitate that healing. And that can really transform your family lines. Like, you know, as far as the present goes, I think that, you know, we have to ask ourselves right now in the present, like what kind of ancestor do you want to be? Because Mm -hmm. that's a really big part of our, our generational healing work. And then also like, as far as the future, like, you know, we kind of owe it to our children to be the most authentic versions of ourselves. And to demonstrate to them what self-love looks like. And I think that's a huge part of the intergenerational healing thing as well. Because our parents and our grandparents and our ancestors and those who were enslaved, they never had the opportunity to be themselves authentically. So the big thing that we can do to heal that work is to be like, I'm going to show up and be authentic in who I am. And be, <laughs> and celebrate myself. Yes. You know, and celebrate myself in these ways and like holding space for your child to be an authentic version of their selves as well. Not like the version that we project onto them or that we want them to be. And I think that's a really good way to start to create that space for intergenerational healing. Like, 
Yeah. And so what are some of the, what are some of the passion projects that you have to like promote intergenerational healing in the black community? So right now, passion projects, love talking about this stuff. Okay, cool. Um, So (laughs) I love talking about this stuff. So uh, my own, like my website, I think is a passion project of mine. So it's going to be through things like writing, like my blog, um, writing about accessible ways to do healing work, whether it be through like herbal medicine or, uh, you know, connecting certain flower essences, things like that you know, just creating a platform with accessible information. I also am hoping to develop a curriculum. It's something that I'm working on right now because I really do want to take all the aspects of healing and the information that I've learned and create it, like make it in a, present it in a way that's accessible and it doesn't require like a grading scale and can kind of shift out of the the Western paradigm of like what we consider to be like a good student, quote unquote. Like, I think that one of the things I learned in ethnic studies, which was so interesting to me, was that ethnic studies really tries to challenge this idea of whiteness and this idea that, um, I don't know how to explain it, this idea that so much of who we are and so much of our education is tailored around, you know, celebrating whiteness and aspiring to white values and things like that. And mm-hmm. ethnic studies really tries to like step away from that. But unfortunately, because ethnic studies as a discipline still has to function in this larger white supremacist structure that we call academia. Like even when students in Africana studies or in ethnic studies are having these conversations about the trauma that happened to their ancestors and doing that work, then you're, turn, you're expected to turn around and write a paper about it, you know? Like right, you're expected to right. like, how am I supposed to sit here and process not only my own trauma as a black person, but the trauma of the indigenous people of this land, the trauma of Latinx people, the trauma of, you know, Asian people, the trauma of all, like the trauma of queer, all these different intersections of trauma. And I'm expected to hold all of it and then turn around and funnel it in a way that makes it palatable to this white structure and like write a paper about it so that I can get an A. It's a very weird, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to ask somebody to do. It's like, okay, I just gave you all this trauma. Now like write me this 20 page paper on it and have it on my desk by whatever time. And like, or you'll fail. Like, that's a really weird, like that's a really weird request for somebody who's like processing trauma. So how can we, you know, take all the things that are really beautiful about ethnic studies, but also create a safe space for people to actually process their trauma in a very real way and not have the consequences of worrying about grades and things like that and just create a safe space to learn. So that's like one of my passion projects is kind of reassessing like what, you know, taking all the beautiful aspects of ethnic studies, but but pulling it out of this like larger white paradigm and like allowing, like, you know, how do we, how do we have those conversations? Like, how do we, do that work and um yeah so that's one of my like really big projects and another thing that I'm doing which I'm really excited about is that I am a consultant right now for a nonprofit called the goddess commune which is based in Oakland and it's beautiful yeah and so they're the work that the goddess commune does is all about addressing inequities in healthcare and inequity in assessing health outcomes for black women and women of color so they have a collective of black women and healers and teachers and coaches that 
do events and try to kind of restore the emotional, spiritual balance of Black women's lives. So I could do some consulting with them kind of on the research and to look at things like funding and nonprofit work and how we're going to, you know, assessing the biases in healthcare and things like that. So I have a few different passion projects that I'm working on and they're all centered around healing. So I'm really excited about all that. What would be for people who are on their healing journey, who are really looking to tap into that ancestral work, what, what would be some practices that you could suggest for folks to get started on that? Yeah, I think that nature is the best healer. I really do. And I, you know, you can always go, I love going to the beach. I love hiking. I love, uh, you know, if you're in the Bay, what is that? There's like Joaquin Miller's like this really amazing mm-hmm. park you can go to with these giant trees that are just like, you just feel them and they're amazing. I love spaces like that where it's like, I, I really like to be in spaces where I'm reminded of how small I am. Like the, like the planet is so much bigger than you and like she's holding you and she's there for you. I love being in spaces where I can be reminded of that. And it's free, you know, like it's really good to right. have like free, accessible healing spaces. Uh, it just puts everything into perspective. And I also really enjoy painting. I love just creating art. I love to write, like waking up every morning and writing and Simple things like that that just allow you to have an outlet because everybody can't afford a therapist or, you know, everybody can't afford to, like you said, like sound bowls and things like that. But you can carve out little spaces for yourself, even just taking time and just having moments for yourself throughout the day. Like that can sometimes be the most healing thing in the world. If you're surrounded by people all day at work or, you know, you have your children or you have a partner or you have like family members who are demanding a lot from you, just like carving out a little bit of time a day for yourself. For me, that works. Like I'm, I'm an introvert. Like I'm an earth sign introvert. Very like, I need my time for me. I need my time for me. Like everybody just like skirt, you know, like, but I, I find those things to be like really, really healing. And then also like you be surprised like not well not even surprised but I think the community that you have really plays a part in your healing experience like I feel like I living in the Bay Area really really gave me some of the best friends that I've had because so many people are able like having a community of people who can hold space for you and like sit with you and be vulnerable with you and you know share like that experience with you has been really really transformative so you know community nature finding time to write and do art like those little practices in my opinion they really do make like a world of difference so I would definitely suggest that to anybody something that we're asking everyone at Black Killers Connect is why do you think it's important for Black Killers to Mm. connect because we need each other we really do I think that we need each other there's so much expectation i think for black women in particular all black healers but black women in particular are expected to carry so much and do so much emotional labor for other people and so to create a space where black healers can hold space for each other but not in a way that is um but not in a way that drains their energy right in a way that feeds you rather than takes from you because so often Black healers and Black women experience like relationships that are operating from a place of taking. And there's so much that wants to take from Black women, like capitalism wants to take from Black women, like, like gentrification in the community, like all these different, like, you know, health, like all these different factors of, you know, 
systemic oppression that want to take from Black women. And so when we can carve out a space for ourselves and say, like, you know, we're going to create a space for ourselves to connect. And that can look like anything. That can just look like laughing. Like, we're just going to create a space of joy for each other right now and laugh and, like, you know, it doesn't even have to be anything deep. We could just like crack silly jokes or like talk about, oh yeah, Gemini's baby acting. Like it doesn't even have to be anything like really profound, but just being able to be like, yes, I want to share space with you and I want us to connect and I want to heal together. And like, just to like celebrate the fact that we have survived the things that we survived, celebrate the fact that we've been able to transmute and integrate our trauma to be able to help other people is a huge deal. Like the mm. fact that we've survived everything that we've survived, that our ancestors survived everything that they survived to the point where we can be here now and say that we're going to start a movement of healing. Like that is a very big deal. Like that's so transformative. And like the work that y'all are doing is so meaningful and I'm so excited to like be a part of it and like watch your journey. Um, but just having a space oh, for people to you. yes, like it's such a big deal. Like I'm like, huh, don't cry, don't cry, be thug, you're all right. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like what like, like this, like something as simple as this, like I know it's a podcast and like we kind of had like a structure of the questions, but something as simple as this, like the three of us having the conversation, this has healed me today. Just us being able to have a conversation. Like you never know how having a conversation will heal somebody. And that's what people need. And like, I think that it's in, it's in our nature to heal. Like black people have a healing gene, you know, like we couldn't, we wouldn't mm-hmm. have been able to survive all the things that we've survived if we didn't have that in us innately, you know what I mean? So yeah, I think that's why it's important for us to connect and yeah, I'm down for yeah. the movement. I can't wait to see what y'all do with this. Well, we all do. That's why it's called Black Brothers yes. Connect. Cause it's all of us. It's a collective. Um, I loved looking at your blog and seeing some, I was like, damn, I never even thought about that because oftentimes when we talk about working with plant medicine or healing modalities, we, um, and when I say we, I guess I'm talking about like, because of digital Mm -hmm. technology, um, folks are looking at like, oh, okay, salary juice cleanse Mm -hmm. or, you know, um, or, or whatever li- the latest fad is, but I saw that you posted something about having mm-hmm. okra water, which I've never even considered in my life. Um, but thinking about how we can use our own ancestors, plant yes. medicine for our own healing modalities as we're shifting into 2020, new decade. What are some um teas some herbs that you would suggest that people start to um integrate during this like winter slash eclipse because we just had an eclipse and i believe we have another eclipse Mm -hmm. on january 10th um what are what are some of your go-to teas and herbs that you would suggest that folks can tap Mm -hmm. into right now i really love i mean despite the fact i know it's cold right now but i'm no matter what time of the year it is i always really really enjoy rose because for me, and I think for, I think it's really good for, for black folks as a whole, because Rose is really good for doing heart work. And so like, it's really good at mending the heart and like dealing with like the heart wound, like herbs like Rose and Hawthorne and even hibiscus to some degree, like are really good, especially for black women. Like it's really good for like, mm-hmm. I love hibiscus, like mm-hmm. these herbs that are really good for like yeah. the heart space and doing work, especially with like mother wounds or doing work with like um, anything that having to do with like feminine energy 
and healing around that like that to me is always like really super that to me has always been like a really good tonic because I you know especially when you're for healers when you're doing this work it's very easy to um you know people who are like deeply empathetic or hypersensitive and you know your heart takes on a lot when you're you're healing people and doing this work so anything that's like really good like a tonic for the heart I think is just really wonderful so I love rose and I love um you know like hibiscus yeah what was the other one I said hawthorn that was what I said those are some of my faves yeah wow that's Okay, so you're over here. You said rose and hibiscus, and I'm Heather. Did you did you get a little tingle? Uh, y'all did. I y'all drinking rose and hibiscus right now? That's that's we're not just drinking it. That's you lie. Like, <laughs> we call it, it we call it the that's divine feminine tea. We've done, we've done whole ass <laughs> rituals so to that tea. We've actually yeah. done. We actually did a mother ritual. I love that. Yes. Okay, yeah. So y'all, yeah, we're in sync. Yes, we're we're yeah. vibing right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm also really it trying to work with yeah. cinnamon a lot more. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> cinnamon. Just I will. I, I get so good cinnamon bark in the house yeah. all the time, especially right now because it's like super cold, and so it's like really good for circulation. It's really good for keeping you warm. Like it's really good for that stuff. Also, cinnamon. Um, I recently learned cinnamon is like um not recently learned I took an afro botany class once and they were talking about how cinnamon and like you know how it's really important to you know sexual energy Oshun, like you know like that mm-hmm. sort of cinnamon energy and like mm-hmm. it all makes sense I'm like okay duh circulation blood femininity of course Oshun is like that is of course that's her like her herb you know like of course it is so uh just yeah and she obviously is like very sensual very like strong in her energy so you're looking to tap into that kind of energy that definitely you know that good warm the cinnamon that rose that hibiscus that all that good stuff so yum 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 yes and it's delicious yes I love it and you sell tea Um, right yes so this is like my new I love tea so much like I really I used to be I used to drink coffee all the time like I used to be like on coffee and I still am, girl. No, you know what? <laughs> Every now and then I'll indulge in a cup because, you know, coffee is a bean and bean is still from the earth. So, you know, it's fine. Whatever. So, so, <laughs> so, so, you know, Try. Right. But um, I just, you know, in you know, the past few years, like tea has just become so much a part of my ritual. Like I'm a very rich, again, Capricorn, I'm a very ritualistic person. So I'm like my morning ritual to really get me kind of grounded and getting a good energy has always been tea. So yeah, I have two teas right now. One of them has like marshmallow and cinnamon and ginger and all these other really good things. And it's really warming. It kind of tastes like fall. It's like a nice fall winter tea. And then the other one has like rose and hibiscus, which is like really good for like the heart space, obviously. So those are the two energies that I've been really wanting to call into my life. So I was like, let me actually like have like tea so I can regularly call in that energy and kind of like entrain with that energy. And as we know, like water is such a transformative tool for for doing like magic and doing that work because water is, you know, it's, what's the word I'm looking for? Not flexible. It's fluid. You can, it, you know, it can transform into anything. And so since your body is mostly water, it's very easy to entrain with that energy when you're like drinking water. So yeah, my teas are, I'm like, I think they're delish. I would love to send y'all some. Uh, if you're down, <laughs> I would oh, love to send you some. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we're gonna yes, have a tea look, ceremony. Would you come up? Yes, and I would let me know about when you're doing your tea ceremony because I would love to come up for that. 
Yes, we're still deciding on the date, but it's looking like a spring situation because we, interesting that you said Joaquin Miller or like the Redwoods in Oakland. Mm -hmm. Um, We are scouting out um, the Oakland Redwoods and figuring out like a good location to have it there Mm -hmm. um, and tapping into the the plant medicine um, while surrounded by plant medicine just seems like it's going to be amazing. Um, And then you mentioned, um, Shelly, you mentioned your your website but what what is it for folks to just um if they wanted to visit you and then also your instagram handle yeah so my instagram handle and my website are the same it's shelly adrian it's s-h-e-l-l-i-e-a-d-r-i-a-n that is my instagram and that is my website shellyadrian.com super clean and simple wow um yeah i don't i mean were there any other questions monica no, thank you so much for, for taking this time to, to connect with us and, and share your healing work, your tools um, and modalities. Um, it's like you said, giving folks access to this is so important as we continue our personal and collective healing journeys. Thank so you. Thank I'm, you. You're, I'm like so honored to be your first guest. Like, I can't even believe it. So I'm like, oh my I'm God, really- I'm like, I'm about to come into 20, like, bop, 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 hey, hey, hey. like, look at me, like, <laughs> like it's popping. Like, I'm so excited. So no, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your work. Thank you so much for the, like the work that you're doing. Thank you so much for everything. Like, I I really am honored to be, like, sharing space with you all.